So what I'm hearing you say is simple solutions over long term has the greatest lasting impact. Just like what you were saying about the permanency specialist. I was like, I'm a permanency specialist in my home. I have two boys and my job is to spend quality time with them, to mentor them, to lead, guide, and direct them, teach them coping skills, mirror those coping skills, practice what I preach, be that good example, and and their father as well. He's a permanency specialist. And I think a lot of times we rely heavily on the system to fix things when these kind of things can start in our own home as a foster care parent or a guardian, a parent of our biological children, or a neighbor to a family who has children where there might be some stuff going on. Creating those safe spaces for kids to thrive and see how you do life and learn from you. We can all be a part of this. There's actually a community in Maryland, I think, called the Treehouse Community. That is, it is a subdivision that the developers developed the subdivision. They were foster parents and they realized that foster children need community and the parents need community. And so this whole subdivision, they have a community house and a stables and a coffee shop. But if you move into this community, you move in understanding that you have to interact with the other people in the community. So they have foster children, they have retired people, they have parents with other children, and they have elderly. So people who don't need to be in a nursing home but might need a little bit of some assisted living. And the community has a purpose. So the foster children will help the elderly who need assistance in taking their garbage out or washing their dishes. Then you've got retired teachers that are moving into this community to provide tutoring and support to the foster children that live in that community. You've got foster parents that are moving into that community because it was an intentional design of a community so that you can have zero to 90 living there. It's the village. It's the tribe type of environment where everybody has value and everybody is helping everybody else. They have community events. Nobody is alone. The intent is so that everybody has somebody. It's just a beautiful thing to see. When you have somebody that has complex trauma, it is not easy to work with them. It's not easy to live with them. And you don't always understand what it is you see. It's difficult for a foster home to take one of these children and provide everything that that child needs by themselves. So it absolutely takes a community to do it. But we, and there are going to be times where it absolutely looks hopeless, like, like you're not going to see change. But you've got to push through that and get to the other side of that. One of the most difficult cases that I had right before I left CPS, um, that particular child, nobody thought would make it. Nobody. And um, I was able to assign her. I had some workers at CPS that I was able to do this program with where they went spent this quality time with these kids. And that particular kid, we worked with her for probably two years before she was released from foster care. And you could see the progress that she was making, but she was eventually discharged from foster care at 18 or 19 years old because she was continuing to act out. But this child went from getting kicked out of a foster home within 24 hours, and she was getting kicked out of facilities 
within a couple of months. And so she spent a good part of her foster care years in facilities. She's been in every facility in Mississippi. When I assigned her this worker that was coming and seeing her and building this rapport and building this relationship with her, within six months, the next foster home she got in, she stayed there for four months. Now, she, she did get kicked out, but that's progress from one day. And then the last foster home she was in, she was there for a year. Now, she got kicked out. <laughs> But that was progress, and she struggled after being released from foster care, but she has still been able to maintain that relationship with that social worker, and she recently became homeless and just really had a really difficult time in that homelessness, but because of her relationship with that worker, that worker had taken her to church, and she had been able to build some rapport relationships with people from the church. She reached out to the people from the church, and she said, look, you know, I don't want my life to continue to be like this. She said, help me find Jesus, because I know at this point he's the only one that can help. And so by building those relationships that she was able to build prior to becoming homeless, she reached out to them. They started taking her in and mentoring her. She got saved, and her behavior just changed immediately. She went from being this defiant young lady who's had all these terrible things that have happened to her, who felt unsafe, and now realizing that she does not have to carry that strange and that guilt and that blame around all of her and that people do care about her and people do love her and she's opening herself up to relationships and she wants to be a motivational speaker and she's one of the first survivors that I'm working with that's wanting to get out there and share the powerful story. But it started with us recognizing that she needed somebody she could trust and build a relationship with and providing her with that. And it took two or three years of working with her to get her to this point where she is now. And that and the, and the power of Jesus coming in and, and really just breaking those mindsets that she had. So it's, it's a beautiful thing to see when you can see that survivor step into becoming a driver. And that's, it, it takes building rapport and relationship and loving them through it. Holly, I couldn't have planned this, but a lot of surviving survivor stories, the ones that have spoken with me or I've heard their story, they've all had that connecting link of their faith as the major breakthrough for them. You know, they tried this or that or were, went here or there, but it wasn't until that, that faith connection happened that they actually were able to break through. Well, it gives them hope. It, give, yeah. it gives them it gives them hope that they number one are were created by somebody you know scripture tells us that God knew us before we were ever born and so to know that the creator of of heaven and earth wanted you and chose you lets you know that you have some significance it lets you know that you're loved it lets you know that you're worthy and also lets you know that the things that happen to you don't define who you are and that there can be purpose in what happened to you and that you can help other people and helps you know that that there's hope that it does not always have to be this way one of the the trainings that we do revolves around spiritual wounds we're good as a society as at, at rescuing child abuse victims or human trafficking victims that there needs to be an intervention where we go in there and protect them. If we see that they need medical attention, we're good at getting them to the doctor. We, of course, realize that they probably need mental health treatment, so we're getting them mental health treatment. But one of the things that we're leaving out so much is the spiritual wound, because so many of these children ask the question, is God mad at me? Is this my punishment? Is this because God doesn't love me or hates me? Is there something wrong with me? I have a friend in my life who was adopted as an infant, 
and her adoptive mother died of breast cancer when my friend was 14. And so the spiritual wounds in her mind are, is there something wrong with me? That God took my two mamas away from me? With sexual assault victims or with human trafficking victims, the predators will oftentimes use scripture to justify the abuse. One pastor told the little girl that um, God protects children from being abused because scripture says that God's going to protect you. And if he's not protecting you from this, that means that God um, is allowing this to happen. And a human trafficking victim, she was put in a cage in a basement and the trafficker read the scriptures where God is saying, I'm your creator. I formed you. I named you. I protect you. He actually took scripture from the Bible and recorded himself reading it and played it for her while she's locked in the dark, dark basement in a cage so that she would be indoctrinated that her trafficker was her creator. So there are spiritual wounds out there. And the medical wounds, the broken bones, the sexually transmitted diseases, those get treated. They're over with. They no longer need the medical attention. Mental health treatment may last a long time. But these spiritual wounds, you can carry them for years and years and years and years and years. And so they can still be that person that Scripture's talking about that's bound in chains. They're not in physical chains, but they're in spiritual chains where they have this sense that something is wrong with them. They have that guilt and that shame. And so what their relationship with God does is it finally releases them from the things that have held them back. And so if we don't start assessing for spiritual wounds and treating those, they're going to continue to live in that prison. And it's an emotional and spiritual prison. It's not really holistic until we look at the spiritual side of people. And this separation of church and state has helped us from doing that. And you, and, and you have a lot of practitioners that won't go there. What I'm not saying is that a mental health practitioner needs to provide the spiritual care, but they do need to assess it. Our service providers need to assess for the spiritual wounds. They need to refer to a trauma-informed spiritual counselor or advisor. I cannot treat a broken bone. I can assess if you have physical injury, and then I can refer you to a medical doctor. I can assess if you have spiritual wounds and then refer you to the right practitioner to get your questions answered based on your faith. And so that's what I'm talking about as far as like spiritual wounds and spiritual assessments. And we have to make sure that that is a part of our practice because that's a part of who we are as humans. You may have a client that has no spirituality in the sense that they don't have a particular religion or faith and they don't have a spiritual wound in this sense that these are not questions that they have. Do the assessment. If they don't have these issues, then you don't need to make a referral to any particular faith for them. But if they have these questions and they have these wounds, then we absolutely need to be finding the right person for them to go talk to based on their particular faith. Because they're going to continue to struggle with this and they're not going to experience that freedom and they're not going to experience that thriving because that's it's, it's, it will be like walking around with a broken leg for the rest of your life. <laughs> And I'm so glad you brought that up because with holistic wellness, there are all sorts of parts of who you are in like a web. When one of them is being tugged, the whole web is shaken. 
Mm-hmm. And it can never have that inner stillness that you need until each of those areas are at least addressed. Mm-hmm. And like you said, I think that's a wonderful idea for practitioners to consider. Probably shouldn't be the same person if they address something about the spiritual wounds, ask some open-ended questions about like what 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 are they believing or what is their faith background and connect them with a safe person who can provide that guidance. That's what pastors are for. That's what chaplains are for. Um, that's what spiritual counselors are for, and they're all out there, but we don't have them in our resource manual because we don't assess for it. And it's, and again, it's because of this fear of, am I bringing my religion into this? That's not what this is. This is you're assessing for your client's spiritual wound and spiritual need, and then you're making the referral to the faith of their choice or to someone that you trust. I know that a lot of chaplains, they are trained to assist with multiple religions. And so having chaplains in your list of referrals, having trauma-informed churches, not all churches are going to be trauma-informed, so you've got to be careful. It's just, you know, not all doctors are the same. Not all therapists are the same. And so you've probably got trauma-informed therapists in your referral list, and there's some therapists and some doctors you wouldn't refer to because they're not trauma-informed. So it's the same way with spiritual services. Um, and so then there's also that obligation that we're getting out there and we're teaching churches how to be trauma-informed, how to understand trauma. So that goes back to ACE Institute's three goals. One is awareness, one is continuing education, and one is advocacy. So part of the awareness part is, again, making the community aware of adverse childhood experiences and what that looks like in everyday life for everybody in the community. So that would be informing churches and faith communities that you have a lot of traumatized people in your congregations that need your assistance. So what does that look like? Why do you keep seeing these people in your churches having these issues? And this is where it's coming from. And here's how you can help. And here's how, if we're making a referral to you, here's how to address these spiritual wounds. So there's a lot of work out there that needs to be done in the community as a whole, the practitioners as a whole, and then also with the survivor. If someone's listening to this and they have just been sitting there on the other side of the screen, nodding their head with us and in, in agreement with us, if they're a practitioner or if they're a victim or they're someone who's chose to abuse their loved ones, and knows that they need the help because they never disclosed what happened to them. How can they get in touch with you and learn a little bit more about what you do at the ACE Institute? So they can go to our website. On my website, there is a form that they can fill out about what information is that they're looking for. The website is lightupaces.com, lightupaces.com. You can Google um, ACE Institute and it should take you there. Or you can email me at aceinstitute at lightupaces.com and I'll be happy to to talk with you and send me an email. I don't do therapy, but I what what I do is I refer people to who I know to be trauma-informed practitioners. I try to find the trauma-informed services that they need and the trauma-informed faith community that they need that can be supportive to them. That's for the survivors. If it's an organization that wants more information or training, they can go on the website and fill out the form for what they need, or they can send me an email. And um, I have training that's already designed that I can come and do, or I can create custom training for their organization or contract with the right provider to train their organization for what they need. 
process. We have faith-based trainings. We have human trafficking training, child abuse training, complex trauma training. And if there's something that's outside of, of that, then we can contract with the right person. I've got a, a school district right now that has reached out to me that is one of the top performing school districts in the state. They're very forward thinking and uh, it's exciting that they are wanting to learn more about trauma because they are wanting to uh, be proactive in understanding trauma in their students. The great thing is they're already making great scores, but they know that they can do more. They know that there's something that they're missing that they can learn about to make their students even better and thrive. And so um, I'm working with them to see if we can improve student outcomes through helping them understand childhood trauma. And I'm, it's just exciting to see that um, so many different folks are, are beginning to hear about trauma and want to learn more. Um, I've got some um, head starts that are really excited about it as well and want to see how we can partner together and some mental health organizations who want to learn more about human trafficking. And so, I mean, it's, it's just exciting to see that as people learn a little bit, they want to learn more and our, our understanding that we can come in and some ACEs can be prevented. Some ACEs can be, are, are not able to be prevented. Child abuse and neglect can absolutely be prevented. My friend who lost her mother to cancer, that couldn't be prevented. So there has to be an intervention. So there's a prevention part, there's an intervention part, but we can all do something to help prevent the long-term adverse effects of this. Holly, that's why we have guests on that share such messages of hope because at Carolage, we're about helping people find their way and learn how to live well after abuse has occurred. Those interventions and prevention is a deep part of who we are here at Carolage as well. So, And that's God's heart. God's heart is that we would thrive. It's his heart that he would take the ashes of our life and give us a crown of beauty and that he would restore double what has been taken from us. That's, that's the message that I would, that I want every survivor to know is that they are loved, they were chosen and that they have a purpose and that God's, God's purpose for them is to thrive. Thank you. Brenda. That was such a wonderful message and such so beautifully stated. And I appreciate you taking the time and sitting with me from our place to yours. And if you're listening to this, thank Thank you. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. If any of you are listening to this and something just struck a nerve with you, or this is your story, or this is how you you want to get involved with these programs and and help people by being a permanency specialist in your own way, Please look at the description in this video below, like, subscribe to the channel. We're on most social media platforms and we'll have links to everything we've been talking about and that Holly has shared in the description of this video. So thank you so much for joining us and y'all have a great rest of your day.